first special edition of Mr. Movie Club. I am your host, Barney Barn Barn. Um, I'm very excited about this edition. This is the special Joker edition, where uh, my friend Dale Oates, first time uh, repeat guest on Mr. Movie Club, uh, comes in and talks with me about um, the blockbuster hit starring Joaquin Phoenix otherwise known as Joker. I keep saying the Joker. I got to stop doing that. Um, but it's a really it's a really fun talk. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, whether or not, you should probably see the film before you listen to it, because as always, we have spoilers. But whether or not you love the film or you, you know, have an issue with, you know, comic book movies, because we cover a lot of ground. We obviously... If you know anything about the movie, even from seeing the trailer, you probably know it's very Scorsese-inspired. So we talk about the two films that really inspire this film, if you know your film history, which is, of course, Taxi Driver, but also a lesser-known Scorsese film called King of Comedy. Um, We also talk about the whole cinema versus comics um, debate that's going on that uh, also revolves around Mr. Martin Scorsese. Um, But we also just talk about what the film means socially and you know dale talks about his interpretation of it which is really um quite fascinating because he's a smart guy thoughtful guy so um you know i think you're gonna like it the only other thing i want to say is as always i'll say this at the end too if you want to get in touch and reach out uh please click subscribe or like on itunes or spotify or wherever you listen to this um also you can contact me Personally, you can contact the Barney Barn Barn by emailing Barney Barn Barn at Gmail, and I will respond personally. Um, we have a Facebook page too, which uh, shouldn't be hard to find, Mr. Movie Club. We're working on getting the, the Twitters and the Instagrams up and running. I will uh, give you info on that uh, soon. The other thing I'd like to give a shout out to David Heller, my executive producer, and also our first sort of <laughs> How do I put this? Our our first semi sponsorship, which is a uh, hint fruitful infused fr- hint fruit infused water. How's that for my first pitch pitch? Um, and uh, they supplied some beverages for us, so we give them a shout out during the episode without it being um, you know anything overt. Um, so I think that's it. Uh, without further ado, here is Mr. Movie Club Special Edition, my conversation with Dale Oates, all things Joker. Have fun. Hello, 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 and welcome to Mr. Movie Club. And welcome to our first return guest, hello. Mr. Dale Oates. Say hi. Hello. Hello there. Thanks for the, having me back. To the movie club. Uh, well, it was your idea. It was my so idea. That's the fun part. <laughs> so uh, 
for those of you who listened to the first uh, Mr. Movie Club with, uh, not the first one, but the, the, the last episode, I think it was episode three, as Dale is pointing out. Dale came and spoke to me, and we spoke about everything from his career to the films we love to a million things. Today, we are here to talk about a very topical uh, piece of movie making. Dare I say cinema, which is a word that I think we're going to get into that stuff too, which is uh, all very interesting. But of course, we're talking about um, the, uh, I almost said the Joker. (laughs) We're talking about Joker, which is... The Joaquin Phoenix blockbuster DC hit that is, uh, you know, in the multiplexes as we speak. And I'm going to shut up in a second and let Dale sort of explain why he wanted to talk about it. I just saw it again for a second time. I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen it more than once? No, I, I really tried to get to the, um, to the DGA screening of it last week. Put that um, a li- just a little oh, bit. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I really tried to get to the DGA screening of it last week because I wanted to see it with that crowd. Right. Um, just to see what the reaction would be. Um, but I, I, I couldn't get there. So I've seen it once, um, and I'm very much intending to go again. Well, well hit me. Get, get right up on the mic, well, even though you can't see my his, face, and just t- 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 tell me tell me thing. what was it about it that so excited you that you had to come back into Mr. Movie Club. <laughs> I had to come in. Well, as yeah. soon as I got out of that cinema, I texted, I texted you, <laughs> and um, I was like, w- if you're doing Joker, I want to be the guy to do it with you. Because... I just know you and I can dig into this. And, I, and totally. as soon as I got out of there, I was like, I just want to talk to you about this. You know, and I want to just... And this is really more than... I'm actually touched. Yeah, no, I did. Because you know, we, we talk a lot, a lot about this sort of stuff. And I think that this film is um, obviously very topical. Um, I think it's more than just a film about a, um, an origin story of a, of a supervillain in, 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 a, in a DC universe that we know quite well. I think it's... It's it's way more than that, and I didn't want the review feed. You know, if, if anyone came in and did it, was going to assess it from the in, in that context, yeah, from a comic book context, because I think look, that's all fine, but that's not that. This is not that. This is this is not this film for me, you know, and I don't think it's that film for you either. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You you think it stands alone? Is basically what I, you're saying. Well, yeah, I think this yeah. film. I can, agree. Yeah, I think this film, even without the context of it being about Batman, could be. You know, a, a fantastic piece of work. You know, yeah, yeah. and I think um, Todd Phillips has just smashed it. You know, and I, you know, and I guess this is going to be very biased. In you know, I'm already, you know, throwing it down. I think you've already thrown it down. That we really love this movie. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, and I really want this to be a discussion. And like, because I want to know your perspective. And I've got my I, I, ideas. I, I bet I have a different take on it. Just, yeah. Just from 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 history and stuff. Well, remember we spoke about it and obviously Scorsese yeah. uh, is going to come up a lot and as you probably know he he had a hand in this film a little oh, bit. Right, I didn't know that. Uh, okay. Oh, well, oh, should, should uh, I get right into that? Tell well, me all about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I want to hear your take on it first and then we can dig into it. But he he, he um if you Todd Phillips is it Todd Phillips? Todd. He um there was an article and you know our our listeners can check in on this and, and correct us when we're wrong. But um, he apparently asked Scorsese, who he had met a couple times, to executive produce it. And apparently Scorsese almost did. And at the last minute, he was busy working on making Al Pacino look young. What's the, what's oh, the, the right. Irishman? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Irishman. Um, yeah. But, uh, but, he, oh, but wow. what he did do is he said, hey, you should hire my line producer. I don't know her name. If you want to Google yeah, it, um, you can. Okay. But we can, we can, we can, we can do, do a it shout later, out. too. Yeah. You know my no Google rule. I, I let it slide for you because I, I know you're. Uh, I like I like getting it right. I like getting 
Whoever's involved, right? Um, I'm assuming you don't d- Google during the movies, right? Oh, hell that's, that's no! The, what are you talking about? Now that phone goes. We out. haven't seen a movie together yet, but that would be. A- no, that would. Yeah, we we should be doing that. Um, no, that's amazing. I did not know. So, that, so the line was, producer right. was it was um, I think I, I don't think she was on his old classic films, but she was like his like Scorsese's line producer for the past ten or fifteen years, right? And I think she shot in New York before, so. And um, I was trying to figure out where it was shot. There's more stuff. I, I want to look more into how the movie was made. I haven't seen, except for that one article I read, I haven't seen a lot of behind the scenes. But it looks like part of it was shot in Chicago. Part of it was in... I think Newark. N- oh, is it Newark? Yeah. And I think some of it was shot up near where I live now, which is Washington Heights in Inwood. But um, I thought it was so beautiful, but it was also... Um, they really made it feel like a real city. Like having grown up in New York, and it's, it's supposed to be New York in like the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's supposed 70s, to be Gotham. 80s, yeah. 70s, 80s. And I thought some of the detail, I'm curious where Todd Phillips grew up too. I guess we should have done more research. But well, but, um, but anyway, let, let, let's get into the whole Scorsese and yeah, cinema yeah, cool. versus comic books. So I'm sure that'll come up. And yeah. maybe we'll have different views on that. But let, t- yeah. just tell me your, you know, let's, well, I'll shut up and let you tell me your take on the film. Yeah, well, I, 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 I walked out um, and, you know, in total awe of that film. And um, I felt like, and the more I keep thinking about it, and maybe this is actually good just to be kind of working out what the recall is yeah. going on um it's it you know and as i i don't know if any any listeners rem, remember sorry i keep bumping the microphone um if any listeners remember what we talked about last time you know i was talking about how i love cinema as puzzle as a, as a puzzle right right that, right you know, oh, we were talking about mandy yeah. yeah and like you know all those films and i felt like this this had all those all those check boxes for me you know and also um i really felt that um you know, as, as a piece of social commentary. Right. Um, but as well as being, as, you know, as well, you know, and I know this is kind of contradictory what I said before, but as, as well as being a Joker movie, like as well as being in that Batman universe, as an, and it is an alternate universe. Right. Like, let's be clear about that. You know, it certainly doesn't follow any of the traditional timelines. It's not. Oh. Ca- I don't. Think, it's not canon to the Dark Knight. I'm not enough of a comic book. No, guy to know it's that stuff. well. By the way, Marvel Universe, like all those movies, are in the same universe. This is not in the same universe as, as the one with um, what was the other Joker one with? I'm uh, um, Heath Ledger. Yeah. Well, no. What's the the more recent one with? Um, oh, Jared Leto. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like I'm assuming this is like a, it's obviously an origin story, but it's a separate universe from I, all those. Yeah, right? I okay. think I think this is like, um, and and I guess this this is what I really took away from this is that um, Todd Phillips and, you know, um, the, what's his name? Scott Silver, who... who That's the writer. Yeah, who, uh-huh. who wrote it. Um, and, I, and, I, and I really want to dig more into the, into the writing, but... Yeah, um, it was really well written. Yeah, it's amazing, but also it, um, it, it was sitting in a... It, it was an archetypal film, yep. you know, using the the Joker character and everything it represents, which is, you know, let's talk about it being chaos, right? The Joker's the chaos, you know? And what I really loved, and I know this is a big criticism of a lot of, a lot of the fanboys, is that, you know, in this film, the Joker, you know, and I guess this was kind of the true in, um, in, in Burton's film, in, you know, in, in, the, um, the in Michael Keaton. The, the Nicholson Joker. Yeah, yeah Nicholson yeah. Joker, where the, the Joker makes... Bat, you know, he creates Batman, you know, like in, 
In, did that have? I, can't, I haven't seen that in so long. Did yeah. that have the whole origin and the whole the, that, well, the killing of, yeah, of, of his course. parents? It and had all that, that, which is you have to do because that's that's the, the story. Yeah, you know, had the you know the um, yeah. the. the uh, um, the alleyway, yep. you know, the necklace, like the whole, you know, every checkbox. I remember, you know, like, yeah. I don't know if I had Batman one or so, but like, I remember, like, when they cut to those angles, that was the only part where it actually felt like a comic book movie. Yeah, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, I, 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 it was kind of cool the way he did it. I, but. I'm the same. I, I didn't, I didn't need it, but yeah, 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 yeah. I certainly didn't think it broke the film. You know, like I think it was not like a, a nice little nod. Um, but as I was saying. You know, in, in like in, in Burton's Batman, the Joker makes, you know, he creates Batman inadvertently. By killing. Um, by killing his parents. But, Spo- spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. For, 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 for the Burton for the yeah. Burton fans. But in the you know, which was you know, which was interesting, but Burton didn't really lean in on mm-hmm. any um, uh, in any symbolism in a, as as deep as what this film is doing with, with the symbolism of the chaos creating the um, the the shining light that needs to fight against the chaos, which is right. which is Batman. And what I really loved is that idea that because what because one thing I've really found in like when I have watched, you know, when I've you know, I, I, of course I got into all the Nolan films and all that sort of stuff. I, I didn't particularly love them, but they were they were good fun, right? Um, but you know, there was always this, you know, and, and a bit grittier than the stuff that came before it. Definitely grittier than Burton's. Cool. Very like, cool. Yeah, the, cool. I mean, the Dark Knight films. Yeah. yeah, but you know, like, but also Batman had this. Um, you know, he could never, he could never take Joker down. Like, he could never kill Joker. Right. Like it was this, you know, and even at the end of, um, you know, and we see, you know, that brilliant performance of Heath Ledger, like hanging upside down in um, the Dark Knight, saying, "You can never, you will never kill me. You need me, and I need you." Right. right and there was right, always right. this kind of like yin and yang thing with Batman and the Joker and everyone was like that's cool but I felt like Todd Phillips really cemented why you know and it's and from an archetypal perspective mm-hmm. of the chaos through through the chaos the light is born to fight against the chaos but the chaos is always going to be there knocking at the door and that's Joker right, right? and right. that's and that and and it's never going away archetypally It'll never leave. It's always going to in the real world or in the DC world. In the real world, okay, right? In 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 you know in. So um, you're not a utopian, I think. No, no, not at all. And I think, and I think um, that's what that's what a lot of people who are really loving this film is are seeing that it's it doesn't have a utopian ending. It doesn't have a happy ending. It's it's a warning. This movie, it's a warning that the chaos will take over. If we don't start to get some order, let's say, oh, I see. You know, like you know, and like you know, maybe this is a little, you know, um, shout out to you know JP Jordan Peterson is like the the you know in this archetypal sense, Batman is the is the antidote to the chaos, but the antidote doesn't defeat chaos completely. It's always there. Right, right, right. And right. I like that the the seed of that, and that was the underlying kind of idea. In, in my, in that, that was my takeaway. Like Todd Phillips might think I'm out of my mind, you know, by saying that, and he's thinking you're reading way too much into it. But that's what I took away from it, and that's what I was like. That's kind of genius to me, you know, like that to to work it in that archetype. You to, know, to, to to work work the. Um, it's not even a metaphor, really. It's more an analogy. Uh, you're saying it's analogous to like our times with our current political stuff and the yeah. divisiveness, of course, and 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 the, you know, 
extremes on both sides, hoping to wipe away any difference. Well, I mean, what's interesting about this film is like it really flips like who's 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 uh, who's bullying who. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, because you know the whole thing of how how like the, the paper comes out is like. Uh, and here's the other thing. I mean, for me, I, I'm sorry. I, I, am yeah. I cutting off? No, 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 no. I really, big... no, I want this to be a discussion. Okay. Well, because yeah. it's interesting. It's like I'm, sorry. I'm a comic book guy. Like I, I had, I had a my clo- I turned my closet into the comic book closet. Sounds kind of, <laughs> kind of dodgy. Um, this is when I was a kid. Barney's I had, I had Daredevil nerds. number fifteen. I had yeah. Spider Man one, etc. That said, I'm not really a comic book movie guy. I've seen a lot of them. I've, I haven't seen all of the Marvel ones. I've seen all the you know the big ones, and the, I you know I really like the ones that break out like Dark Knight and Logan and stuff. But I, I am. To, dip into the Scorsese thing. I am one of those people who's like, man, does every multiplex have to be either Star Wars or comic books? And even though I, I love Star Wars, I'm actually more of a sci-fi guy. I like Star Wars and Star Trek more than comic book stuff. Hmm. Separate conversation. Um, but uh, my takeaway from the film, and here's the thing, and I went in there and everyone said, oh, it's great. And, you know, I love Joaquin Phoenix and, you know, and, uh, and I was like, oh, it's directed by the guy who did uh, The Hangover. The Hangover, which I like, <laughs> but I was like, oh, it, it just can't be great. It, it can't be a great. And, and I was online arguing with somebody. And I was like, yeah, I'm sure it's good, but I bet you there's still like a huge fight at the end with buildings exploding and stuff. And I went and saw it, like, and spoiler alert, because anyone mm. who wants yeah, to yeah, listen yeah. We, to this we are totally spoiling this movie, by the way. There, there is a fight. You know, there's always, like, you know, there's some action, but it's, it's really not what I loved about it. Just in, let's talk about it in the context of comic book, Marvel and DC films, is that it, a lot of those films, some of them are fun. I like Guardians of the Galaxy, because it was basically a comedy, and, mm. and I just like the soundtrack, because I'm old, and, like, you know, the soundtrack on this was great, too. But what was great about this is it really was not formula. It felt more like a Scorsese or a Coen Brothers or a Wes Anderson or Paul Thomas Anderson film and they're like oh I don't know what's going to happen next and that's a weird thing to see in a blockbuster that's a rare and also thing. a you blockbuster I mean? that you know both the his story. performance and the script you know yeah but you know and you're saying that from a blockbuster where you know the ending right right like you know and and it, and it had you on the edge of the seat edge of your seat and I and I found that too my heart was racing going with that journey with you know of his descent into into into, ma- into complete into, desperation into chaos. or madness well, you said, you said yeah into chaos was, yeah chaos. And it, yeah and it and it and it not only and it, but here's the other thing that really what I really liked about how you know and 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 this is all through the edit and and the writing and it's really well edited as beautiful as an editor yeah and seeing it a second time the flow all his dancing stuff like oh. that could have been monotonous or self well, self uh, you know kind of self-indulgent it didn't well, even seeing the second time it was like it was beautiful it was well, beautifully done that's what I really loved how he um, mm-hmm. how he weaved yeah like the Joker stuff like the laughing the dancing the um, maniacal stuff the um, sorry I keep walking away from the thing um, um, also um, how all the goons you know wear Joker masks like wear clown masks mm-hmm. like the idea of the clown you know, like it wasn't forefront. It became the symbol, you know, for the chaos. Or, or, organically, yeah. Yeah, organically. Like nothing felt like it was like crowbarred in there nothing. to fit into the universe and to be like, well, Joker needs to wear makeup and let's just make him crazy. You know, it was like he, it, it, all, it all fit together perfectly yeah, yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah. And it wasn't, it didn't feel forced. And I really, I just really loved that. And also even down to, um, um, 
seeing that end scene of him getting pulled out of the cop car by yeah. by by the you know his followers or yeah whatever, by yeah. the followers they didn't know who he was but they just they knew that he became no, the symbol no it wasn't that they I, see, I, I think that, they did I mean I took that that they had because him being on TV and shooting sure. uh, what's his name I figured that was kind of the inspiration for the, the big big riots and I thought like they were kind of saying you know it was, it was kind of like uh, I don't know if you were a Planet of the Apes fan um, not really not, uh, the, the original Planet of the Apes oh, that, that's, that's how old school I go and yeah. that there was because uh Phillips is kind of my age. You're a little younger than me. And, like, there was a lot of references, especially the second time, there were references. There were a couple of Kubrick references in there, I thought. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm projecting them. But that last scene when he's on the car and all the people around, yeah, yeah. you get to see Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Right. Where, uh, and I used to memorize, this is what a, a, an ape head I was, who was like, where there's smoke, there's fire. And in that fire from this day on, my people will live in rain. And it's like, right. he doesn't give a speech. He just does a dance. But the, sh- the way it was shot, it was... It, it was, was very similar. And Conquest of the Planet of the Apes was the very sort of postmodern. It was very different from the other ones. It was all, it was kind of shot like in modern uh, architecture, kind of like Clockwork Orange. I think it was a, came out a couple years after Clockwork Orange. It's kind of a silly movie, but like it, it's, it's, it was known as the more serious of all the oh, ape films okay. because there was hardly any talking. The whole thing is Caesar, who is the son of Zero and Cornelius. Yeah. Stop me from getting sidetracked. <laughs> You're totally getting sidetracked. But this is <laughs> you know cool. about the wine. But this is, yeah, I know, I bought the wine. But this is, um, but this is why I want to talk to you about this film yeah, yeah. because I knew there would be all these other references. And, you know, and, it, and it's, and this, you know, this threw me back to watch, um, King of Comedy. So did you see it? Yeah. Oh, awesome. What did you think? Yeah, uh, I loved it. Because when we spoke, you hadn't seen no, it. No, I hadn't. And I was like, I've got to say, I, I have to say. You see all the references now, oh, right? I'm, and I'm, obviously I'm, casting De Niro as the talk show host. I've, and I think that's genius. It's I think, almost too on the nose, but it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I think it's, I think that's the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is on the nose for a reason. It's not to be subtle. You no, know, no, It's no. like, because thematically, it is a, li- it's, it's a complete, like, Version of it's it's King almost like comedy. an upside. It's like a flipped version of of King yeah, of a, King of Comedy. Yeah, it's like a, I can't remember. I have to see King. I wanted to see King of Comedy again, but it's unbelievably good. Yeah, yeah, King of Comedy. I well, here's I always thought it was an underrated. Of you know, it's not it's not it's not as famous as Goodfellas and and Raging Bull. It's not it's not as as revered as uh, his classic films. And of course, Taxi Driver, which mm. of course this takes a lot of. But from two, I think it's and a title. I think the title sucks <laughs> for King, King of Comedy. King of Comedy. That's I think. I think. I think that. I. I think that turns people off. They and should I think, have called it. And I think the poster turns people off. Joker pre-joke. It should have been called pre-joke. Yeah. Well, but, um, and and you know, and just seeing De Niro's, like, like there's so many parallels going on with King of Comedy and Joker. Yeah. Like, well, obviously, Tom Phillips was a big King of Comedy fan. Oh, I think clearly. I mean, well, be. it's it's like King of Comedy meets Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. You know, and thrown into the Batman, like, right. and then and then going, who fits these? Who, where does this archetypally fit? It fits into the into the Joker, like structure. If you were to make a comic book of Joker, it would be like called Martin Scorsese stories. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It would just be like it would be. It's like a com- but it's it's funny because it's not a comic book. But you know what I mean. It's like it's like t- taking some of the best parts of his. And here's the thing, like. I mean, he was a Scorsese fan. He gets famous for Goodfellas and Taxi Driver and the violence and stuff. And obviously he inspired Tarantino and Spike Lee and now Todd Phillips. But what I always loved about the best of uh, Scorsese's films is the subtle, the details. And that's what Todd Phillips got, which you don't get a lot in comic book Mm. films too much. Mm -hmm. You know, you have Heath Ledger and you have some good performances. But the details, being a kid that grew up in New York in the 80s, the details they got, like that felt 
like what that was like back then. But mm-hmm. also just just like the details, and, and not just the details, the small moments. Like in King of Comedy, some of the small moments, and you know, he's mm. also living at home, and he's like, the, the part, I haven't seen it in years, but he's like, he's like doing that same thing, you yeah. know, where he's pretending he's on the show, and yeah. then you hear his mother, he's like, Mom, I'm yeah. on the fucking show. Yeah, like, yeah, like, like a lift. I mean, it's a total knew, lift. I knew kids like that. I, in this film specifically, and I've got to be careful if we're going to put this out, this is a kid I grew up with who kind of had like serious mental problems, was living with his mom until he was in his 40s. Mm. And like that relationship between him and I forget the actress, but she's great. I used to love Six Feet Under. She mm. was the mom from that. But um, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. But, um, mm. but you were saying about, about how... So, so t- tell me more about what, what you thought of King of Comedy and how, how you thought it was um, well, parallel. Yeah, well, I think, you know, obviously there's, there's structural, like obvious... Um, similarities that you can just point point to, but I think I think that's a superficial way of looking at it. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. I think it needs to you need to go deeper, and it's this um, it's this fame idolization. Yeah, um, and it's the obsession with um, that version of success, and um, that you know that's the only version of of good let's let's say you know if if you're trying to do something and 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 how maddening that can be and and how it really does leave a lot of society behind you know and i think in sort of fame culture you mean right yeah Yeah, yeah. and i I think and i think you know like where this you know where this um where the subtlety of what you know obviously king of comedy couldn't even predict what was going on with social media right now but right right but what I liked about Joker is it didn't even lean in on on referencing that that social media has has a like has has is, is exasperating yeah. this like um, anxiety level yeah. of yeah. you know um, in you know as 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 a cultural like you know under you know festering you know well thing. It's, it's like in the seventies and eighties there were there yeah. were a few people like. Uh, Rupert Pupkin, I remember the name, mm-hmm. or, or uh, what's his name? Uh, what's the name of the Joker in the movie? And I'm assuming they took Fleck. that. From, I'm assuming that they, they, they had to keep that has to be from the DC universe, right? It's a great yeah. name, though. Arthur Fleck. Penny, yeah, yeah, Penny yeah. Arthur Fleck. Yeah. No, so no, no. That's his. That's the Joker's name. But it's 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 kind of a weird name in the same way. And as someone whose full name is Caperton Barnes Miller, I identify <laughs> yeah. with being ostracized, yeah. and, and I have but, a name. But my my. I've always been called Barney Miller, which is based on a TV show, so I've always had that weird right. thing. So Rupert Pumpkin, Arthur Fleck, there used to be a few people like that. Yeah. Because of social media, I think this is what you were getting at. Mm. Now there's thousands of people who mm. who get that obsessed about the Kardashians or whatever the fuck it is. Well, my language, and you, you, know. you know, you just got to just click onto YouTube and you're seeing people now, you know, they've got a outlet. That, like, yep. Will that outlet satisfy them? You know everything? Probably not. Yeah, for most doing podcasts. Yeah, when they, right. They, yeah, exactly. You know, like everyone's trying to like be in some. You know, like, and there's somewhat. You know, like they want this fame culture because that's yeah. where you know that's where the points are. That's yeah, where yeah, you yeah. got to score. Clicks. You know. And yeah, and yeah. I think that what Joker's pressing on is like this ha- is a one-way ticket to chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if we don't start to you know, um, because this is all leaving behind. And I was just reading this big article um, that the New York Times had about, you know, the homeless situation in 
in Los Angeles. In uh, Santa Monica, yeah. Yeah, and in, you know, in California in general. And, and, I feel and, like it's worse in New York. It's, it's worse now than it's been in years. And in New York, I'm yeah, not it say is. It's totally it is because bad. of Trump or because of after the crash, the only people who really recovered were the, you know, but it's it's definitely I don't know I don't well, know the numbers but it seems like it's gotten worse. Well, this but. is yeah this is the thing and then you know and I feel like there's you know we we've forgotten I mean I, I was you know I was in the Scouts you know when I was a kid and there was a there was a is there it was a, the Boy Scouts the Boy Scouts in, or is it have a Boy Scouts Cubs Boy Scouts you know but you know but what I really what I really remember I I, mean, I, I kind of didn't I didn't really enjoy being in Scouts at all like it was you know kinda, I did summer shitty. camp I didn't do Scouts but, but uh, one thing that I did take away from Scouts was when you were hiking, yeah. right? When you're on a hike or a camp, and you had to, you know, you had to do a long walk. Um, it was drummed into us that we are only as fast as our slowest member hmm. of the platoon, right? And I'm sure that it's a military thing, as well, in a way. It's like a teamwork thing too. Yeah, and like sports does that too. Yeah, but I really feel like as a society, we're forgetting like that's a really important aspect. Like we are, we are as only as sophisticated and developed as our as our weakest in this in, in society even like in the big picture yeah i see what you mean and i'm thinking yeah. and i'm what i'm seeing That's is the, the, the neglect of of mental illness of of the homeless crisis that i see going on in california you know and then as you said starting to bubble more in, in new york now and like you know i don't know if you've been to vancouver vancouver lately i not recently my wife used to shoot up there it's, when my kid was little i would be there but i haven't been there it's in a while. insane it's, it's in, even worse well let, okay, I'm, I haven't been to Vancouver in about a year and a half. But yeah. when I was last in Vancouver, I was like, this is out of control, the homeless situation in Vancouver. Really? And, um, and I'm never, I'm, this is not on the news. This is not a hot topic. No one's getting up there and talking well, about how to on the solve news Trump. Like he's, solve blind, he's blinded everything, you well, know? Yeah, and it's like this. and. And doesn't and, and what I and this is and I'm kind of rounding this out like it doesn't really what what you know what Joker's doing is it's it's not a left and it's not a right political message no, it's no. a humanity message about yeah, yeah. if we do leave behind our weakest and our most vulnerable right they will you know they will become so desperate that. The only the only choice is violence, right? And I think that this is a film as a warning, you know, as a as a like this could happen if well, if we don't do something about this. Well, stuff. in some ways, it has happened. From everything from the Tea Party to Occupy, like you said, it's like left hand right to Trumpism to uh, to you know Antifa. Like like you see it bubbling on both sides, hmm. you know. Not to be a oh I'm in the middle guy, you know. And again, it's not a politics podcast podcast but I, I think the kind of universal message thank you um dale is pouring me some wine we're gonna get so drunk on this podcast. <laughs> we need it we need to be lubricated and uh and uh, my yeah. tolerance is not is not good yeah but, um, um right where were we yeah no i i, I kind of hear what you're saying and i kind of I, I don't kind of i totally agree that what it seems like the message if there's any sort of overall arch arching arcing overarching Ar message arching. Arching. um to the film it's that, and I like what you said about being in the Boy Scouts and being taught that you're only as fast as your slowest member. It's like the problem with people thinking, hey, you know, I'm not going to care about, you know, Midwestern white voters, or I'm not going to care about inner city, you know, drug addicts, or I'm not going to care about opioid, you know, like you, th you think of all the 
I don't want to say oppressed, I think it's an overused word, but you think of all the people who, who have been sort of left behind people. And the, again, it's all different strata. Um, not different strata. It's all from, from all different walks of life. Yeah, it's diverse. Our society, especially now with all the internet stuff and like you were saying, the social media, with the isolation, people even, it's even easier to just get in your bubble and not even worry about, about people who are being left behind. But what people don't forget is that, especially in a society, especially in a society in a, in a global connected world, um, the more people you leave behind, it becomes like a weight. It becomes, mm-hmm. it's literally like an anchor that's pulling the boat down. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting. You look at it in that context and, you know, because I, I don't know if you heard some of the criticism. It was like, oh, this is going to inspire more like, mm. you know, who is like the, the who guy who literally dyed his hair green, you know, the guy, the, the film shooter. Um, mm. You know, that it's going to inspire more violence like that. Not. I don't know. You've obviously seen Clockwork Orange, right? Of course. I don't know if you know the history. No, of I do. It. It, was just, it was banned in Australia for a long time. Oh, like I, we, didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, but we, did you know that in England, you know, it was kind of right before the punk stuff, and apparently some of the neo-punks were coming out dressing like the droogs mm. and beating people up, and Kubrick was like, you know, fuck it, I'm going to take it out. Um, mm. And he, he, he uh, obviously got redistributed later, but he took it out of, he told the theaters to stop playing it, mm. which I thought was pretty interesting coming from him because he, he was always very clear, hey, this is an art film about where we could go. I, I, there wasn't that much uh, Clockwork Orange reference in this movie, at least not overtly the way it mm. is with Scorsese, but I, I thought it was addressing a lot of that kind of stuff. Clockwork Orange addressed a lot of that same kind of stuff. And again, Clockwork Orange was looking to the future. This movie is kind of looking back, setting itself in the. 70s slash 80s but mm-hmm. um well this brings us up into the context because here's what's interesting about it like suppose that was like a little indie film that was playing at landmark or playing at the alamo mm-hmm. right and it was only playing like art house theaters and hip neighborhoods across the country did well maybe gets a you know a couple of golden globe knobs but like it doesn't do it like because it was branded as in dc as a dc and directed by a guy who already had a multi-million dollar mm-hmm. hit in, you know, and Joaquin Phoenix, I think, has already won an Oscar for uh, mm-hmm. playing Johnny Cash or whatever. So because it was with big stars and, and with a big branding, it got a big release. Cool. And it's funny that it's, it's actually in... I wonder if people were worried that it wasn't going to do well. It seems like it's connecting with people. It, it, this is what it tells me, and this is where I have the problem. Maybe this is where we'll disagree and we can have... have it out. My problem with sort of comic book cinema, and this gets into the stuff Scorsese's been saying in the news recently, that, <clears throat> hey, I think he gets misquoted because he's not saying he, that they're not good movies, but he's saying they're not cinema with the, you know, mm-hmm. sort of in a... You know, and, and you can argue the semantics of using the word cinema, and, and, I'm, saying and about- I'm starting a podcast that says commercials videos right. like um, I, I almost say everything is if not cinema everything is movies you know what I mean to me any motion artwork is I think is legitimate but my only issue with, with the corporations back in the Marvel and the DC movies is and again it's not the movies themselves and I, and I love Joker and there's a lot of Marvel and DC movies individually that I like but that the only way to do a story like this is to brand it like that it's kind of like because I had the same feeling the whole alleyway scene with the Batman origin that was the only part of the film. I actually liked the scene with the kid at the oh, fence I love that and scene. stuff. Yeah. But specifically, and you notice it wasn't Joker who uh, who killed him. No, that's right. I well, almost, no, but it, it is Joker that killed him. It's no, the, it's the, not. No, the chaos. If you right, think right, about right, it archetypally, no, you know. But, that, but it was one of his followers. But yeah. I almost, I almost wonder if that was a tack on. I almost wonder no, if the studio made him do it. No, I hope not. No, but, yeah, I've seen. Uh, we I, we walked out of the cinema and 
you know, and a friend of mine said, that looked like DC just handed them the, the, I, the rule the, book on yeah, that scene yeah, and like, they had to shoot Where's the, the Batman scene? Well, and Todd Phillips said no, they didn't do did any... They, 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 they didn't always in the script? No, okay. they didn't. They didn't. He said... Well, and this is what he said. I yeah. mean, um, but he said at the, um, the Toronto... Um, you have, to, um, you have at, to read the NDA to know what he really meant. At, uh, yeah, <laughs> TIFF. Well, he said it when he did the, um, the Q&A at TIFF that um, um, DC just had a very hands-off approach and they didn't, they didn't interfere at all, which I was super surprised to hear him say that. But, um, but I hope it's true and that would, be, that would be really cool. Um, but what I was going to say was um, the... Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with you that you know, that this film doesn't, doesn't evoke this, I mean, you know, this sort of discussion and, and, and the amount of like, um, you know, bipolar criticism and praise that it's getting. That's just so disconnected, um, without it being in the mainstream. And I think that's That's a really interesting place to put a piece of art like this and plonk it in the mainstream and then see who is freaking out about it and it's and it's the the left wing like it's left it's the left it's like and i was going through the reviews like today it's like npr washington post um new Did york, they really, they hated new it? york times new york um, i thought the times gave the new gave york, it a good review no now. the new yorker they they hmm. all slammed it and like vice like and it's like well, I wouldn't even say it's the left. I would say it's it's the it's liberal, elite it's media. It's liberal leaning. Yeah, it's liberal leaning media. People and who you would think would be for such an open, well, creative uh, that would have a little bit more yeah. perspective on a piece of artwork that you know, instead of just leaning in on some kind of intersectional like critique yeah, yeah, on yeah, this yeah. on this film, that's actually a piece of social commentary. The and like Michael Moore came and it's out. Kind of, Came, Michael Moore came out with an, an amazing review. Yeah, like, I, I didn't read it, but I heard about it. it he was, actually liked it. He right? loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he was like basically talking about how, it, you know, don't listen to the negative criticism. You yeah. need to see this movie because you're not seeing it because you're like, this is a great Batman movie. He's right, right, seeing right, right. it like what we're talking about. Like yeah, he's yeah. talking about it like a piece of social commentary that is existing in a mainstream space, which... We don't get a lot of that stuff, and that's why it's such a like a tinderbox of of, right. of ignition because everyone's so polarized by this is going to invoke violence. We don't want any more gun violence. This is like like you're um, you're uh, glorifying this villain, right? But, which is interesting. I, don't I think thought the it violence in it, like when he when he ki- when he kills the head, horrible. The, remember the the, the yeah the, I'm not um, supposed to say image when the small person in the yeah, and the big and, guy come by, and, mm. and, and basically it's the big guy trying to cover his ass because he doesn't want to know that he doesn't want anyone. To, he was him to know that he. Well, I, him I mean, out. I thought that was a real social thing. It's like that, there was a guy who was pretending to do good. Hey, man, I care about you. And he was just like, hey, you're not to. Basically, he was saying you're not. I almost wish that it was more explicit about this. Basically, he was saying, hey, you're not going to tell the cops that I'm the one who gave you the gun. And the thing is, uh, mm-hmm. Flick, you know, um, uh, Fleck, Fleck. Um, Phoenix's character gets right away. He's like, "Oh, you're fucking, you're you're full of shit. Like, you're full of shit. You're totally full of shit. Doesn't yeah. mean he should be killed. But I thought the violence there was so realistic. Like, here's the thing: I used to have a problem with Tarantino violence, but I've come to the to the conclusion that his violence is always a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and to me, and it's like a vengeance fantasy. It's like it's like a teenage kid's fantasy, and I, I think it's okay to say that. Um, 
and I, I, I've come to the realization that, hey, that's okay, because he's, he's clearly putting a frame around it and saying, hey, this is, this is how these characters feel. This is what they want to do. You know, like in, um, uh, I feel we talked about it a lot. I had a good talk with my father-in-law about um, um, Once Upon a Time. Yeah, did you see it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, you liked it, right? Uh, yeah, I liked it. Uh, you, I, I didn't definitely. love it. I liked it. I, said, like, I actually thought it was one of his... Uh, I like I, what I did love is um, is um, Leonardo's performance. He was, was insane. But anyway, anyway, we can so talk it's about that. Be him time. versus yeah. Phoenix. And well, I think Phoenix can't be beat. I know. I think yeah. um, everyone's talking about the lighthouse now. Is that another one, Phoenix? No, it's oh. um, William Defoe. Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard about that. Um, um, yeah. Anyway, I want to see that. But um, but but just yeah. just round the, it off. The yeah. point I was trying to make. What was the point I was trying to make? What were we talking? See, you got me, you got me loopy on the wine. Um, the violence was real in this. The scene. violence was not that, and that's really rare in a blockbuster film. Um, even like Scorsese and and Tarantino was a little more stylized. Um, you know, Scorsese's violence is kind of realistic for the time, but like if you go back and watch Raging Bull, it, it does not look like a real boxing fight, but it's still beautiful. Um, but, like, I even think The Sopranos, like, sometimes kind of glorified violence because you made the people so real. But this was like, no, violence comes from a fucked up place. But if you ignore fucked up people, the violence is going to come. So, mm-hmm. and that's like a message you don't get in comic book films a lot. So I thought yeah. that was great. But to get back to your bigger point of, like, and, and uh, I, I should have read it, but I, I will read it after this. The uh, Michael Moore saying, hey, you know, this is the kind of story you, the mainstream people have. You know, it's kind of like if you grow up on pop music and pop culture stuff and then you see like a Kubert film or a Scorsese film and you're like, I don't know if you had this when you were a kid, you're like, oh, this is different. You know, and hopefully this film is going to have that effect on kids in the Midwest and kids who, who are like having a tough time, not inspire them to violence, but inspire to them like, hey, it's okay to be honest about what violence is like. And that's what this film was doing. And I think that's a good thing. The bigger context is, is it good that someone's putting this into a comic book film or would it have been better if Hollywood in general was investing more money in less comic book things and putting push behind films like this that aren't tied to 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 well-known brands like Star Wars and Marvel and DC well I think it should be both you know like I think because it doesn't have to be one of the the audience the audience that this is going to reach you know if it was just playing at the landmark or whatever you know it wouldn't be hitting it it's preaching to the converted yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. I agree. It's not hitting it, and it's like the, the I think fact, it's good that it's in mainstream cinemas. I'm just wondering if if doing it this way, attaching it to comic books, is the best way to do it. No, I think that's exactly the way you got to do yeah. it because we are obsessed with comic book films, you know, as a society at the moment. You know, like look at you know, like if you don't come to comic book films, it's not going. No one's going to see it. Yeah, well, I think, but also that gave it. The push and like you know, remember this film got an eleven-minute standing ovation at Cannes. Like, oh wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I mean, this like it's working on a level within a medium that we've just we're so I think we've been craving to see some reality. To yeah. be honest, you know, yeah, yeah, not yeah. not that the night and the dark night's going to come save us all. It's like. It was, it was the most ambiguous ending to a blockbuster film I've seen in a while. Yeah. I mean, the ending, we should talk about the ending because we've... I've well, my wife, had, my wife saw it separately and she, she was like, oh, well, that was... Again, spoiler alert, everybody. Her, so tell me this. Her inspiration... I know what you're going to say. What she said mm-hmm. was like, oh, well, I felt it was kind of like, oh, it was all a dream ending because obviously he didn't really have a girlfriend and, you know, so maybe he didn't really go on the show. And I was like, that's not how I read it. I... Cause, mm-hmm. 
tell me if I'm wrong, that's the same therapist he's with, but it's, she's older, and now he's in, isn't it the same therapist he had from earlier in the film? See, uh, I, I took, um, I took it that this is later, he's been arrested. Oh, and, no, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't read it was the therapist. Oh, you okay, say so it made me more. I didn't read it was the same therapist. I'm racist. I thought she was I'm racist because they were both black. I so think I'll have to cut that out. I think you'll have to. Yeah, I think I think you have to cut that out. Yeah. But I think um, no, I didn't read it like that. Um, but did you read that it was all that everything no. was in his head? No, no, I didn't no. either. No, yeah, no, I, but I thought it was very clear about what was in his head. The girlfriend was in his head. But Todd Phillips has said in the same tiff Q and A that his a friend of his had the same reaction, and he said. That's really cool. Good for you. Yeah, like yeah, basically, yeah. like I want you to have that version of the film in your mind. But that's not what we wrote. But I want you to be whatever you yeah. want it to be. And like, all the good filmmakers, if you, like they say, hey, if it, the whole point of a good movie is it, it opens like yeah. we were talking about Mandy last time. It opens you up to to an interpretation yeah. of that. And that's and that's yeah. And and as as I yeah as we said last time, that's they're the films that I'm more interested. in. I'm interested in these films that we can debate this stuff and. Yeah, some people think it's that's a really that's all a dream, and then you can start to think about, well, if it is like that, then what does it mean? And like, then you know, then that might then give you another a dream. Then and you, he's just a crazy person. You know, yeah, well, may, may, maybe. Yeah, yeah. but uh, but also like, I didn't, I, 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 I didn't. I thought it should have just ended with him on the car with everyone just going. You, you didn't like the epilogue in general. No, here's a. It, I didn't need to see him. Here's what's interesting about the epilogue the second yeah. time because I saw it the first time and I thought, oh. He got arrested and he's crazy and like a character like the Joker would be in and out of jail. But it's interesting because the Joker doesn't really like in the canon of DC, he doesn't really go to, he doesn't get, the bad guys don't get caught a lot in, in the comic well, books. Well, right? I mean, you know, and look, I'm not, I'm not um, a, a Batman aficionado, but I kind of, I guess, what? I, I guess I do know a little bit. Um, but, you know, from my understanding, you know, Joker came from Arkham. Right, and all the villains came from Arkham. From what? Arkham, Arkham? the Arkham Asylum. Is that that's where he oh, is? Oh, that that, that that asylum is. That's a that's a point to this okay. to the universe. See, I didn't know that. So yeah, that's okay, a good. that's a that is, um, you know, in the in the world, um, an accurate thing that he. Well, that that's he, where he goes to get the files about his mom. That's right, because uh, you know, and but we're seeing, and a, that's where his mom went, and that's where he is at the end. We're seeing a functioning a functioning Arkham Asylum in that world. I see. Right, but in the in the Dark Knight world, uh-huh. right, or the the Nolan world, Arkham is a lost. Um, section of the city it's overrun with crime is that the place that Heath Ledger blows up in that famous exactly scene? okay yeah so, so it's you, you're, you're educating no no life. no that's not the hospital he blows up oh, okay. no that, um, that's a different hospital but um, no but Arkham is the you know we see it in the first film in the first Nolan film he jumps the bridge in the car or, oh right okay. you know and goes in and Arkham is an island in Nolan's world, right? Because you know it's all set in Chicago, you know, right, with, right, with right. the rivers running, with the rivers running through. So, um, you know, and in in, in the, the Batman universe, Arkham is the it's out of control. It's run by the inmates, and Joker. The inmates is, have taken over the asylum. Joker, yeah, the inmates have taken over, and Joker's the leader of them, and that's where everyone comes from. All the villains are born from the, what the Joker's created is the chaos within Arkham, which I think is. I don't know. When I'm seeing this world, I'm loving it way more than oh, everyone. Everyone who's bad came from the crazy place. Yeah, it's just a little simp- simplistic. Yeah, I, you know what I well, mean. What was the Arkham thing? Was that just from the Nolan stuff, or was that also? No, that's is that's, that in the DC? That's in the comics. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, um, 
Well, anyway, seeing it a second time, tell me if you picked up. You remember, like, and then he's he's saying, "Oh, I'm thinking of a joke," and the therapist yeah. said, "Like, what's the joke?" He's like, "Oh, you, you wouldn't get, get it." it. Yeah. And then the last scene is him walking down the hallway, slow, super slow motion, blood on his feet, blood on his feet. So did he just kill? Yeah. The therapist. Said, I didn't. I'm so I'm so slow on the uptake. Mm. I thought that was just some metaphorical thing, the blood on his feet, like the blood of... Well, maybe. But yeah. Who cares? Yeah. You know, like that's cool. But that's the... It uh, could be a metaphor. Maybe. And, and it is a metaphor. But, but I did not take it as a dream. I took it like, oh, they caught him at one point. And, yeah. And well, now he's well, escaping. You're, well, you're seeing the yeah. beginning of the chaos at Arkham. Right. Right. right, right? right. You're seeing that he's now going to turn Arkham. He's going to... Now that you tell me that. Yeah. That that's, that's the beginning of that. So that's... Got it. So that's, that, they're the good things about that ending. However, I think I would have rather it just ended with him on the car. And that, 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 that girl with the ponytails comes from there too. What's her name? Yeah. Um, Harley Quinn. Yeah. I'm obs- okay. I yeah. Get it. So yeah, that's where, you know, in the universe. I mean, but... Who cares about that? Um, I, I, I'm not interested. You know, I don't really care about the, but the rest you, of it. You feel that whole ending thing was a nod to DC almost more than the, the, the killing Batman's parents in a way? Oh, I think it was both. Yeah. Okay. You know, like they're, like, but this is what I was saying. Like, I think Todd Phillips weaved in some key Batman, Joker, Universal, yep. let's just say truths, like, you know, in, in comic Yeah, it books still felt terms. like a real film. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, it, they fit together in the story context of that world, and I didn't feel like I was being fed some, you know, like when you go and see the, the latest, the latest Star Wars movies, you're just getting some yeah. nod because they have to do it. Like yeah. he w- weaved it in, I think, pretty seamlessly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and it, we can come it back. It stands to the, on its own, even if you don't know the DC universe. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what makes it like. A good, I, like yeah. I think I could send my dad, who who does not care for any comic book movie at all yeah you know, i could send him into this movie and he would come out i mean i think he would come out quite just you know, thinking i was in, like i was insane that i liked What's it so much yeah but i think he would enjoy it on its own merit and he's got no idea about that yeah, yeah yeah i mean he's not even going to get that the kid's called bruce well, you know here, what i mean might, like this you know, might be a nice segue into what i call the mr movie club tech ted talk which if i can just pause for a second the uh t- not ted tech talk this is where uh, this is a nice segue into the Mr. Movie Club Tech Talk, which is brought to you by Hint. Uh, in all seriousness, Hint, uh, which is a flavor, uh, water-infused uh, watermelon essence. Uh, they have a lot of different flavors. What's the one you got? You got a... Uh, it's pretty good. Blackberry. And uh, they are sponsoring uh, the show. They're specifically sponsoring tech talk so we're both gonna have a sip of this and yeah. um no tell, G- you, tell you that we love it no matter what we actually think no gmos and that's um, always good it's like zero calories the watermelon flavored flavored water drink the watermelon's good i don't know if i don't know if i'll go off a taste blueberry okay there we go that is our product placement for the day but um thank you for hint for uh sponsoring mr movie club's tech talk and here's where i want to get into the tech talk mm-hmm. um i think i told you the whole thing about how scorsese scorsese I, I always grew up saying Scorsese. Yeah, so me too. I can never say it wrong. I don't know. It seems I can like, never say it right. It seems like it's a new thing. But then he almost produced it. And I, you should read these articles. It's interesting. And then Todd Phillips hired his producer. And I'm trying to figure out where they shot it. Because a lot of it looked like my neighborhood, which is Washington Heights, which looks like New York from the 70s. Um, the whole movie looked... I'm sure a lot, some of it was digital. Here's my question. As, a, as, a, as an effects director, right? Uh, you mm-hmm. know, effects supervisor, director person. Um, <laughs> uh, that's the line talking. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you do is, uh, but 
like when I first saw it, I didn't think anything about digital stuff because it just felt like a real film. It felt like a gritty film. Watching it the second time, I'm like, wow, they did some amazing stuff here where it looks like some of it may have been shot in Chicago. And I think some of the wide shots were comps. Like there was that beautiful shot of the, the train, train going, yeah. which I think is like those trains in Chicago. That's probably a completely CG shot. But that's probably completely CG. But there's some scenes where like there's a train behind them. There's definitely some scenes. I mean, obviously some of the, some of the indoors were sets. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of it was a backlot, but I almost I, I, I'm, I'm I'm curious what you thought. I, I I thought it did what what effects are supposed to do is it made you not look at the effects. No, Whereas like was the big films where brilliant. aliens are crashing into the Chrysler building, it, like, yeah. yeah, that looks great, but it's it's so obviously yeah. fake. You no, know? I mean it, you look at this movie and you've got no idea what's an effect. Yeah, which is which is great. I mean it's a it's. It's a. It looks like a low budget indie. Well, a beautiful low budget indie movie. Yeah. It's like you know, and that's and that's one thing. It's a low budget indie movie with a good crane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but that's one thing that um, we probably should. Um, the DP. The, uh, I want to know who did the color too. I thought the color. Yeah. It's the most amazingly colored film since. Um, I oh. bet it was someone we know from the mill or whatever. It's gorgeous. But it was the most amazing colored film since I Drive. Do you remember Drive? Yeah, from a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought that was beautifully colored. I mean, that was Tom Poole who I've worked with. But so, um, so Lawrence Scher was the DP. Who? Lawrence Scher, and he. Is oh, okay. What Todd, else has he shot? Well, Todd Phillips and him have done all of their films. He did all the Hangover movies. Yeah, they did all the Hangover movies, and if you Which remember, fine. well, but they look beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Like those guys have got, they've you know they're you know let's I mean I guess their brand yeah. is really pretty looking comedies like really beautiful looking comedies what like, else besides the hangover um, I've only seen the hangover I mean all the hangovers you yeah. know like all he those he did films. all three of them right yeah but yeah. they all look they all look they're spectacular like, yeah. they're, they're beautiful I don't I don't I think this looks a step above that I mean because of it's a different kind of film yeah but, but um, I mean you, yeah I mean because it's they can do it but yeah. I mean but um, from what I understand and I've been talking you know when I'm you know I've, one of my really good friends is, is a DP and he's, he's actually, you know, he follows Lawrence quite heavily. And, um, and what he was saying was that him and, um, him and Todd Phillips have, they've really got down um, this ability to, uh, to, to light things the way they do, right? To make yeah. them look gorgeous, like cinematically gorgeous, but let... But also realistic. But let, yeah, but let the actors just improvise yeah right so they set it up so it's almost like a 360 set let's say like yeah, you know yeah, like yeah, so you yeah. can you can let you you can let the actor some of it was two it. camera that stuff where he's dancing on the, on the steps i think they probably had two camera sure but 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 because not it, in not in the cheap I, I know what you're saying it's like i love the coen brothers but yeah you get a sense on a coen brothers film if someone moves one inch to the left the lighting is all off you know what i mean it's everything's so composed and yeah. that uh, wes anderson is the same way Paul Thomas Anderson is a little more free-flowing. This movie has some of that handheld stuff, but it didn't feel gratuitous like a, like no. a reality show. It still felt composed. As an editor, like, I do a lot of... I, I went through a phase where I was doing a lot of sort of, um, you know, casual beauty stuff, which was, like, handheld but, like, pretty stuff. And, like, some of that's my favorite stuff to cut because what it is is, is, is it, it seems like the DP is setting stuff up to be pretty, but it's, like, but, but it's not restrictive. And so it and like so when he's doing the dance, think about it. When he's doing the dancing, they they must have lit lit it in such a way that he can be expressive because he's so expressive in that stuff. And I heard him say that there was a choreographer, but it, it feels so organic and original. And you like, 
you're like, and the way it was cut, uh, it's just it's no, it's, beautiful, it is, beautifully it's, it's done, a, and it felt docu but stylized. It's, yeah. it's kind of it's a, it's a hard thing to get, you know. Well, and that's what I'm talking about. They've they've nailed their yeah. their, their, their process with that, but what but it that, didn't feel too slick either, you know. But what the, but but the, the important thing is about not not that it looks good, you know, because that's great. But it's what it gives the actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. The ability to... But it was both. Like, to, to improvise. And, and to... You and, can tell Phoenix had freedom. You yeah, can tell. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the ability to, to, find, to find the scene in the scene. Yes, yes. You know, and I think yeah. that's like... And that's what we're seeing. And that's what we're looking at the performance and going, wow, you know, wow, what, look what Joaquin did with the performance. And it's like, Joaquin was able to do that because of what Todd and Lawrence were able to set up around yeah, him, yeah, I see you know, you and mean. I think yeah. it's really important to remember. It's, well it's not just Joaquin walks on and goes, I need these things. It's like Todd and Lawrence know how to give the actor yeah, 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 yeah. The, the freedom to do those things. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's remarkable, you know, and that's what, that's why we're responding to it so well. You I, know? I've been, uh, you know, I've, I've been getting my band back together. So I'm starting to get into yeah. music. It's going to sound off tangent, but this is tech talk. And I've I've gone down a rabbit hole about how records are made and like looking at how the Beatles. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're into like old yeah. I just old got my, I just got a vinyl. There's great soundtrack yeah. on this too. But both whoever I don't know was it Hans Zimmer or was it somebody else? Whoever did this, the actual score was great. But but also the little pop references, you know, uh, some of the classic rock stuff, and it was just perfect. Mm-hmm. But but it's interesting. I was watching some video where I'm um, like that last Beatles single, "Free as a Bird," which a uh, 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 Joe. Pitka um, directed uh-huh. that he did the video for it that was they took an old demo of Lennon and um, this is all going to come back to what you're saying about setting stuff up and it's, it's a nice record but it doesn't really sound like the Beatles even though they took an old Lennon record and I heard this interview where Ringo said well my only problem with it was I won't try to imitate Ringo Starr <laughs> um, was he was saying that uh, Jeff Lynn from ELO who produced it said because it's this old demo he put this is the big thing in music is that they quantize it they put it on a grid okay and then so the so when they the surviving beatles played this is in the 90s but this is right when all the computer stuff was coming in and so they had to play along to a click track which they never did on any of their records so it doesn't it so they didn't have the freedom that they had as a band and i'm right. and, and that sounds maybe this is a weird connection but the way you're telling me about how they set it up I think it's a real good way of explaining how like they're setting it up so so he doesn't. Ha- it sounds like he. And my dad was an actor, so I know about this. It sounds like what you're saying is they set it up, they lit it in such ways that he doesn't have to hit certain marks. He can move around, especially in all the the more sort of interpretive stuff, the dance stuff, the stuff when he's spinning on stage, when he's going on the talk show. Mm-hmm. Like it seems all that stuff was set up so that he had the freedom to improvise, not just his lines. I and mean, the script seems pretty tight, but specifically physically and that's what makes the, the those interstitial parts of the film so really um i feel like with any artist when you whether it's a musician or an actor like if you don't get them give them the freedom to explore the character or the piece in the way that they want to you're not going to get you're not going to get the essence of what it is you like about that actor you know mm. yeah yeah i don't know if that makes sense no no, no that makes sense no. i went on a trip there trip yeah I we went, went down we went, went down, down to back abbey, to the beatles back to abbey road yeah. <laughs> went to the- um yeah but i was just thinking then like kind of maybe rounding this back i mean i mean i know this is tech talk Yes, <laughs> and all, but um. Wait, wait, let's have another sip. We'll end. We'll end tech talk with another sip with, of hint. With, with, with another sip of if hint, because it, yeah. it is just a hint of flavor. A hint of tech. 
a hint of flavour and a yes. hint of tech. Um, so, one thing I did like, speaking of hints... It washes down the wine. It does. Um, it, uh, speaking of hints, like yeah. small little things, there was an immense amount of details in this film yes. which I thought were absolutely genius. I agree. You know, starting with the, the garbage strike in town. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? The, the town is... The, there's a garbage strike. There's, these people are feeling like they're being, you know, already... There's, you know, the, the people who are keeping the town going are being forgotten. Have you ever been in New York during a garbage strike yeah, in the summer? it's, it's horrible. Uh, it's like the, well, the worst. Yeah, but it's all, you know, so there's a garbage strike. There's like a working... The working class are fighting for their pay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there is this. this immediately, there's this. There is this conflict going on right? in the in the city. The city isn't functioning properly. There's it's corruption. Fu- it's fucking up. Then we hear that there's super rats. Did you see the super rats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of super rats. Well, you see them behind Batman at the. Do you know when his parents get killed? And I'm guessing they're CGI, but it's pretty well done. Yeah, the There's two CGI. huge rats, almost as big as the kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right yeah, yeah behind yeah. them. Yeah, they're super does. rats. Yeah, there's a couple of super rats all through it. I mean, it's almost. Oh, like, I only. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, now I get to see the. There's a few. Uh, you know, like you know, it's actually like you know, find all the super rats. You know, like you, you uh, could go back uh, through it and find all the super I rats. Have to get the Blu-ray. So yeah, so there's like so the super rats are coming out, right? Then there's the you know, um, there's the sign that he's wielding at the beginning when he's spinning the sign. Yeah. The sign says everything must go. <laughs> right. That's interesting. Right. So and that's the chaos. Yeah, okay, because yeah, yeah. everything must go. Um, there's, there's the, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of jumping. I'm, I'm going. I'm not going chronologically. But then there's the moment, you know, when he's getting interrogated by the cops and outside the hospital, and he walks into the door. It's a bit of comedy, you know. He walks into the glass door, yes, of the yes, hospital, yes, yes. and it's, it's hilarious at that moment. You know, it's a really funny moment, but it's, 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 it's. It's embedded it's, 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 in the idea. Well, have, you know what I it's noticed? It's embedded in the idea that, that this world is not seeing him. Yeah, you can, it's, it's, not, it's, it's literally a wall. It's not, yeah, but, yeah. It's, but it's an invisible wall. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's something that should open. It's something that should function for everybody. But right. it's not functioning for him. And, that's, and it's all working into the reason that the chaos is taking over and that the, the weak are getting forgotten, right? The weak and the vulnerable are getting forgotten and... The more it keeps happening, you know, and then it's just like... But I just want to stay on the, on the walking in the glass for a second because this is something that I noticed when I was watching it the second time that um, the first time he's with the therapist, you know, he's just at the social work or whatever and she's like, well, do you feel better now than you did at the hospital? And they have a quick flashback, which sounds, it looks like one of the scenes that they shot later yeah. of him banging his head against the wall. Yeah. Okay. There's the scene where you just pointed out where he, in the hospital, he walks in the glass. There's a scene when he gets fired, he's in a phone booth and he smacks his head and you see the glass yeah, break, yeah, yeah. obviously was break away. But like, like, I think there's like five or six scenes of him smashing his head against right. a wall or, or actually usually it's glass. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking like, that's, you know, if, if there used to be a thing in film class, I forget what they call it. There's like a type of film study where, where you know, like the multiplicity of those. Well, it, it, I remember I had a professor and and I took a Hitchcock class and he was like, well, in this film, if you notice on his desk, there's yellow pencils and red pencils. The red pencils are the communists and the yellow pencils are the capitalists. I was like, I don't think that's what Hitchcock did. But but it's just interesting to like. 
like I mean I, I, I think this 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 sort of metaphor you're talking about about walking into a, a glass wall and bang your head against glass wall I, th- that was definitely a thing that he sprinkled through the film which I think was what yeah. what it was supposed to but it, what but it was supposed to relate to can be interpretive but it's definitely it was definitely intentional well yeah it's not that's not just like how do we make this how do we how do we pull a laugh out of this scene you know it's no, no it definitely spoke it was to like his, what yeah, and I'm and I'm like I'm. I would love to find. I would love to know the process in that. You know, like yeah. how like did that? I bet it was written. I bet it was. Did that come script. in the script or did that come with Joaquin? Did that come on? And they were on the set and they're like, "Hey, we got this glass door." Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, but also for them to, you know, for those for for that group of creatives to figure out that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like everyone's on point. Yeah, yeah. Everyone knows the film yeah. they're making. You know, because it's not like let's walk him into the glass and let's all have a laugh. Like it's let's walk him into the glass because it is a metaphor that yeah. is perfect to keep the pressure on the character. Well, here I'll, I'll tell you a scene that I remember. You just saw it. Maybe tell me if you remember this. There's a scene in um, in King of Comedy mm-hmm. where Rupert Pupkin and I don't know why I haven't seen the film in at least a decade. I'll probably try and stream yeah. it this weekend. Um, but there's isn't the whole he's in love with that um, that Charlie's Angels girl. Like I don't oh, think he's I can't remember if he's going to the office of the talk show guy Jerry Lewis yeah, yeah, yeah. or to the he's in some office he's in, the, it's, he's it's, in some element and then they, they have this in this movie a lot it's a lot about people remember like the scene where he confronts his uh, maybe his father Batman's father yeah. at, at the at the at the big thing and like there's a lot in this film and, and Scorsese does this a lot in his films of people being in situations where. Hey, society says you're not supposed to be in this situation. Yeah, Maybe that's yeah. what the whole metaphor of the glass is like. We're gonna try to keep the riffraff out, trying to keep. But um, what was the point? Oh, so there's a scene where um, where it's one of those glass office doors, right? Mm. Where you don't know if it's a push or a pull. And this is the brilliance of um, of De Niro, and he was great in this. But yeah. this was his prime. And there's a scene where and you see him grab the door, and like yeah. he doesn't know if it's push or pull, and he finally figures it out. But there's just, maybe it's just that the editor of like found this take where he really didn't know, but knowing De Niro he probably like rehearsed that no that's that's and, it and, and it was the same kind of like and again I think I, wonder again, if, I don't know if he discussed it with Marty but it seemed like it was a he was you know he was wearing that ridiculous suit and it, it's it's so like oh he's not supposed to be here he doesn't even know how to open the fucking door that's, and that's I wonder really if they're walking point. to the glass door and being yeah. curious to ask Todd Phillips this, well, if if that's the same kind of thing but anyway I, th- the, I think I th- that's a really good I remember thinking it was just a great piece of acting like cause most actors would, hey, how do I open the door? And then it would feel fake. But he was like, P-p-. oh, no, and I think you're, I think you're picking up on something that's really relevant in King of Comedy because that film was about him not belonging. Exactly. And but I don't think that same parallel is with the glass door. Although I think it is a, like now that you're mentioning it, and that I didn't, might be my projection, but that's no, but fine I, no, but too. I think it is a reference to it. But it's. It's using the metaphor in a different way. Right. I don't think How it's so? saying. I don't think it's saying to keep the riffraff out. I think it's about. It's coming back because it's. I. I think it's got to come back to the archetypal idea. Like, in King of Comedy, he. It was about him not belonging. He doesn't belong in here for some reason. Like he wasn't. This is not his world. Right. And he wants to be in there. And that yeah, he can't open the door properly. In Joker. The whole thing that we're seeing the pressure build on is that this world isn't seeing him, right? Oh, isn't see seeing people like him, and then and that is and that is actually literally what happens. The door doesn't see him, 
yeah, because yeah, the door yeah. is a it's a it's a cell it's an automatic door and it doesn't open it doesn't do what it's meant to do yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it doesn't see him right and i think he's that's, literally invisible yeah, yeah and that's yeah, yeah. and that is like that is exactly the theme yeah. of the of the movie that is the the thing that's driven him crazy yeah you know and um and i was just going to round this out because it then it happens again with in the apartment after he kills the the other clown the other big clown guy yeah who gives him the gun by the way which is a really relevant point yeah um, well that that's kind of why he killed him. yeah but yeah. that's but that's there's a metaphor in that i think uh, okay as well so um so anyway about, um, about giving about Giving yeah, who, weapons to, to who, the underclass. And yeah, stuff. who yeah, gives yeah, yeah. the weapons? Yeah, right. Yeah. Who gives the weapons? Who profits from giving weapons to people who it's, end up shooting up? Sure. Stu- yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you can make a lot of lot totally. of assumptions. Well, not assumptions, but I think you can make a lot of metaphor um, connections. Connections in yeah. there. So, but you know, after that, there's another piece of comedy which mirrors what happened with the door, and it's with the you know the. Um, the, the small person. The small person in that in that <laughs> yeah. scene who is who is genius and he can't open the door and it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of funny. It's a moments real black it. humor. It's yeah. really you know he yeah. he just murders this guy. He's cut. You know, his face has got blood on it. He's yeah. sitting down. He's like you know he's finally he's kind of it's the moment he becomes the Joker. Let's say you know in a way because there's a lot of moments where he becomes a, like there's a lot of moments where I'm like okay he's be- that's it he's becoming but that's kind of the moment. I think, yeah, yeah, that's in a way, but you know, and then he walks past and he kind of scares him a bit. He goes, "No, no, no I'm just joking," you know, yeah, like, yeah. and it's fucking hilarious. I can't, but I, 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 can't, I keep thinking that probably was an improv on the set, but it's still, still genius. I don't know, yeah, I mean, yeah, but yeah, then he can't know. open the door, and the world isn't seeing him either. Yeah, 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 yeah. The world isn't built for him, even though he, he, you know, he has the just as a legitimate right to open a door as everybody else, but he can't reach the lock. And I think, and I, and this is this is coming back to like how I think Todd Phillips weaved in all the Joker shit, yeah. right? Because Joker has in his band of fucking like thugs and all that sort of stuff. Oh, oh, the subway people with the masks. Well, yeah, it's subway people with masks. But it's also like we've seen in the history of this. There there are like there are midgets in his crew. There are like crazy big guys. It's like a bunch of misfits, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like. In that little scene, you're seeing the beginning of his crew, right? And, and, and you're seeing how this little person can relate to what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That this world isn't made Which for you. Which is why he doesn't kill him. He's like, hey, you're the only one who treated you're me. You're the one who treated me right yeah, because yeah. they see each other. They see each other as the vulnerable. And here, here's what's it. We'll end it on a really controversial uh, political point, which, we won't, which we'll have to get into on my um, Mr. Politics, Mr. Mr. Paul. <laughs> but like the way you were pointing out, like, hey, it's a lot of these sort of elite liberals who had a problem with this. Oh, this is going to inspire this, which is a very condescending thing. When actually the message of the film is, dare I say it, and we can, mm. I'm, I'm not a fan of this term either, but it's, it's kind of intersectional. It's saying, hey, no, the whole point is that a lot of people, it doesn't matter, white, black, short, midget, fat, you know, there's a lot of people who are not being seen, and, and it's not just not being seen because they're part of an oppressed group. It's, they're not being seen as individuals. You know, it's like, it, what's funny is that you could interpret this film in a very sort of woke way about, about people being forgotten, you know? But, you, but then there's sort of an elite way you can look at it. It's like, oh, no, this is inspired. This is, you know, glorifying mental illness and violence, which is not. And for people to say that, it's just... So stupid. It's, it's, they're so missing the point. Oh, if so anything, stupid. it's it's pointing out 
the the way society treats people like shit and treats people and this is where it kind of gets anti-intersectional it treats people as part of a group oh you're a midget oh you're mentally ill oh you're black or white or whatever mm. instead of looking at people, people as individuals and that's kind of what he's saying he's saying no when you get back to the thing about the glass no one sees me it's like oh you're just this weird fucking clown loser who lives with his mom like you're not you know you're not uh, in the show Succession there's a whole thing where the rich people have a um, a, uh, a, a a problem with one of their cruise ships where someone gets killed, but it's in international waters, and they have a term for it. And I wonder if they took called uh, no no person of uh, you know no NRP, and it's in the paperwork, and it means no real person. And it's because if someone dies in international waters, no one's responsible for it. Hmm. You know, and in a way, that's happening right in our society. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's a good. Well, it's an interesting way. I mean, like, yeah, we could really dive into the the woke, the woke outrage because I mean that's been one of Todd Phillips's biggest things, as he said. He said, "Like, how am I going to make comedy right now? Comedy anymore? How am I going to make comedy with all this? Like, you can't do this, you can't say that. Like, you know. And then no studio is going to touch it. I mean, and now he's going to make this, and everyone's freaking out. Like, it's, you know, and it's it really should be it really should be a liberal." Like, well, not a battle cry and such, but but a warning shot. Like, what? this is this this should be something that brings both sides together and goes. We don't. We both don't want a world like this. Yeah. No matter how divided we are. And may, maybe the way to get to avoid a world like this is don't forget. No matter where they're from. No matter what side of the political spectrum. No matter what side of of the oppression Olympics they're in. It's like when people get forgotten. When you dehumanize. That's what it's really about. It's about dehumanizing people, mm-hmm. you know, and like all the clowns at the place. And, yeah. and the only way for them to humanize themselves is to take a gun. Like that fat guy was like, "Well, you need a gun because he's fucking animals." And I love the fact that he showed like kind of like a, kind of like a street seventies kind of, um, you know, gang of kids beating him up, and then the fucking Wall Street guys beat him up too. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's just it's kind of pointing out, hey, a lot of people are getting it from both fucking sides. Exactly. And and the only way you're going to get past this is to fucking recognize people as is to see people and mm-hmm. not let them walk into glass, glass doors. Walls. Yeah, let the let the let the automatic doors see everybody. So we'll end the podcast on it's open the glass doors. <laughs> the automatic yeah, glass all, doors. We all need to get together. That's what this film is telling us. Have you ever do. seen the blooper reel of Star Trek where you know, because you know, they weren't really there were like grips back then. Sometimes the grips would like forget, and he'd go, "I'm I'm beaming down to the planet." He walk to walk off the bridge, just walking to the door. Apparently, there's 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 like, ones of like, like Shatner getting so mad because like <laughs> if the grips didn't pull the doors at the same time. Hilarious. And that's a good nerd. That's nerd a good nerd way out. All right, thank you very much for having me on again, man. Dale, thanks for coming oh, in. Thank oh. you to uh, Content Mint, which is the studio we're recording at. Thank you to Hint uh, <laughs> for sponsoring us. Thank. Even though they're not a sponsor, I'm going to thank. What is this? Lo-fi this is, wines. This is Lo-fi wines. Everybody. Oh, I get it. It's like a record thing. It's like a record. Oh, on the I thing. like that. These guys. These guys are a natural wine producer in oh, California. God. I love them. They're That's great. Where amazing. do you get it? Um, I got that up the street at um, uh, Bottle Rocket Wines on right. 19th Street. So we're going to give a shout out to Bottle Rocket Wines Bottle and see, Rocket if, wines. see if they uh, and see if they invest in and Lo-fi wines. Let's uh, let's get some sponsorship yeah. from these guys because they make great wine. Awesome. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Dale. No problem. See ya. That's it. That's a wrap on Mr. Movie Club Episode 6 Special Edition Joker with uh, my good friend Dale Oates. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I do. 
As always, please click subscribe and please leave a comment on iTunes. That's always helpful. And if you want to uh, tell us that we're both crazy and tell us your interpretation of Joker, then pop us an email at barneybarnbarn at gmail.com. Barneybarnbarn at gmail.com. All right. Until next time, thank you, moviegoers. Mr. Movie Club is out. Have a great night. Bye.